A wise man builds his life on Jesus' instructions, like a house built on a solid foundation. By tuning in today, you are pouring into your life. This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Good morning. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm the teacher, pastor here at House on the Rock. Glad that you guys are here. For those of you who are watching us online, very special hello to you. Glad that you're with us also. And maybe you can share some of my pain with me this morning. Young people growing up in the age of smartphones have no idea the, idea, the ordeal of growing up with a rotary phone. Am I right? If you had a girlfriend in high school and you were tethered to the kitchen, they have no idea, do they? What it was like to have to be bound to this thing and, and what it was, you'd sit there and you'd play with the cable. I mean, remember, the, the, and you'd spin the cable and you'd twist the cable and the, it would get knotted up and you're like, oh man. And you spend the next 10 minutes trying to figure out how the little slinky knot got in the cable. And, and they don't understand what it's like to be talking to your girlfriend on the phone. And all of a sudden you hear this on somewhere. <laughs> and you're like, who's on the line? Who's on the line? Who is that? And then all of a sudden this little voice comes over. Paul and Elise sitting in a tree. K-I-S. I was like, get off the phone. Mom, would you tell them to get off the phone? Because it was, a, it was an open line, remember? And you could pick up other phones in the house and you could listen in. Or a brother and sister would walk by and cut off the call as you're on the phone. You're like, come on. They have no idea what it's like to have that phone and they have this phone. The freedom, the access. Now you could put a rotary phone next to this phone, right? And you would say they're both phones. They're both phones. But really in many respects you can't compare one to the other at all. And some might say they are thankful that the old has given way to the new and what we're able to do with these devices now. Right, Jason? Jason says, amen. Very thankful for, 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 for smartphones. We are at a place in our study in the book of Revelation where the old is going to give way for something that's completely new. Revelation 21 and 22. So I would encourage you, take out your notes, take out your Bibles. We'll have verses up on the screen for you so that you can follow along. But John comes to the end of this vision and he sees the new heaven and a new earth. And what I want to do is I want to kind of guide you through some broad strokes of what we can see in these promises and how it kind of builds with an anticipation for things that, that are to come. So if you would, please, if you're online here, why don't we pray? We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit's presence and blessing. And then we're going to jump right into our passage today. Holy Spirit, come. We need you. It is your truth 
It is your promises. It's your power. Make yourself known here today. We've already experienced you a bit as we were singing songs to your praise. And I ask for more this morning. Just help us, please. We need you to cut through the clutter of our week. Help us leave the baggage at the cross. Speak to our hearts individually, corporately. Make yourself known. Will you come on display, please? And lift up, God, your goodness, your beauty, your worth. We're hungry for it this morning. We need it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read for you Revelation chapter 21. And let it do what John intended it for it to do. To captivate your attention. To fill your imagination. And take you to a precious place. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion it will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Verse 9. Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a gate, high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the Son of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, there were three gates. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Verse 15. And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, 
Its length and width, the height, are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper, a city pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, and the sixth carnelian. The seventh was chrysolite, eighth beryl, ninth topaz, tenth chrysopress, and the eleventh was jacinth, and the twelfth was amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter the city, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. How can you put something so incredible into words? Would you be able to do it? If you were John, if you had been given this vision of, of what's to happen, with all of the emotion that's attached to it, all of the experience, what, what, what words would you pick? I mean, John's doing the best that he possibly can to capture this vision and to capture this moment. It's one of those situations where you say, I have no words. Have you ever been in the presence of something, experienced something, heard something, seen something like, hey, what's that like? And you're like, I have no words. But to help us maneuver through this uh, of where we will be going and experiencing, I want to draw your attention to three things. And in your notes, uh, I cheated and I gave you all the fill-ins already. So please don't leave the sermon until it's over. That will hurt my feelings in a bad way. Someone online is going for a second bowl of cereal as we speak. <laughs> but what are the, where are we going to go? Well, one of the places we're going to, we're going to go into glory. We're going to go into glory. We gather to glorify God. We sing about God's glory. But what is that? What is it? When we say God's glory, yeah, but what is it? Like, tell me what it is. Well, we do it. We sing about it. God has it. Like, here's some words. Maybe this will help. God's glory is that public display of God's infinite goodness, his beauty, and his worth. Let me say that again for you. God's glory is the public display of God's infinite goodness, his beauty, and his worth. It's God on display. All that God is. It's when God makes himself known. The prophet Isaiah was given a vision of the heavenly throne room and he's brought up there and he sees all these throne guardians, angels, seraphim, and they're singing and they're praising God. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his... You kind of expect them to say holy, right? Because that's what they were talking about. They keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what they sing day in, day out. Yet they said the earth is filled with the glory of God. You've experienced that. You've seen that. God's on display, if you will. We use the word for other other places, we say the glory of a nation, the glory of a ruler, the glory of a king. A toddler hops out of the bathtub completely naked and runs around the house. What do we say? There he is in all of his glory. He is on display, right? Maybe some of you struggle with that. I don't know. Give me a heads up before I visit. Pastor, I'm out in all my glory. All I needed to know. Thanks. Visit, visit some other time. So you have your moment with your glory. <laughs> Here's the odd thing about God's glory. It'll kill you. Did you know that? As majestic and as wonderful that God is, his glory is more than a human being can handle. Moses is meeting with God up on the mountain. And Moses says, God, will you, will you show me your glory? Will you show me your face? And God's like, Moses, I love you, man. Like, we're friends. And you care about what I care about. And and you're helping leading my people. But no human can handle my glory. Uh, Moses, this is what we'll do, okay? I'm going to press you into the side of this mountain. And I'm going to protect you with my hand. I'm going to cover you. So that as I walk by, the glory of my shadow will wash over you. That's about all that you can handle. But even that was so much that Moses' face would glow for years to come. We can get that a little bit, don't we? What do we tell our kids? Stop looking at the sun. Why are you looking at the sun? Stop it. Stop it. Like it'll fry your eyeballs. So what do you need to do? You need to apply a filter, right? If you're gonna be out in the bright sun, you need to have a filter to protect your eyes. Mr. Chris back there on the board, Chris Chapman, he could take these speakers and he could ramp them up. He could press the decibels so much that it would do something to our eardrums. Our eardrums could not handle the sound. I have one of those stoves at home that if you, that it it can be on, but you can't tell that it's on. And when you turn it off, it could still be hot. It's not like a gas stove. If I put my hand on it, it's more than my hand could handle God, again and again and again, when it comes to his glory, sends it to us, but it has to be filtered. That's why in the tabernacle, God's glory was always behind a veil and behind a bigger veil. That's why Jesus comes as the picture of the Father. To say, so that they can get us. Jesus presents himself in our form, filtered with our limitations. My angels and humans are not the same. They're built and designed to be in God's spiritual presence. We are not. But look at what happens in this chapter. The city overflows with the glory of God. 
Having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel. The glory of God gives it light. Look how this perfect city is described. Let me just run through some of them. It's described as a perfect cube. For those of you who are builders and in construction, you're like, that's a terrible design for a city. Like, cube? That's a terrible architectural design. As high, as wise, no. But he's not making an architectural point. He's making a theological point. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's a perfect shape. And all these compounding numbers of 12, it's completeness. 12,000 stadia. This thing comes down out of the sky and lands on earth. If you didn't know, that's about 1,500 miles. It's about as high north to south as the United States is. I think John was saying something else. That's roughly the size of the Roman Empire at the time. God, God and John is saying, hey, this is going to come down right on top of that. And this is what will remain. Its size and its beauty, the gates, pearls, the streets, gold. No sun, no moon. The glory of God itself gives it light. Because this is a new heaven and a new earth and we are new in its presence. When was the last time you saw something or, or heard something and it took your breath away? You remember something? It, just, it took your breath away. My wife sent me a picture of a sunset. She was leaving work the other day. She said, check this out. This is beautiful. Did you see the sunset? Look at this. It catches your breath. God on display. For me, it's always music. Music just seems to have a way of grabbing a hold of me. It takes my breath away. It makes my, makes my soul leak a little bit. Or a lot sometimes. Certain songs, certain songs, let me say that, not every song, certain songs make my soul leak. The, the artists were getting together. It's, I'm doing the best I can, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, I know, I wanna go there too. Um, the artists were getting together a couple weeks ago. We got together in my office. We're gonna look over the next three or four months of music just to kind of lay things out, sermon series and ideas. What are some new songs we might wanna sing here as a congregation? What are some songs that need to rest? Because sometimes songs just need to rest for a while. That's all. They're not bad. They just, they need to take a break. And we were going through the song list and, and they came up, uh, Come Thou Fount. Um, of every blessing. And someone said, which song is that? Come thou found of every blessing. And another person, well, that's the one that Pastor Paul cries at all the time. <laughs> because it does. There's just something for me that grabs me in my story. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm confined to be. It grabs a hold of me. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. And it just, it makes my soul leak. When's the last time that happened to you? I think even this morning, God gave us a little bit of his glory on display as we were singing. What a gift. Thank you, artists, for helping make that happen. Holy Spirit, thank you for shining a little bit here. But Jesus, but John sees Jesus, the lamb and God on display in this city and we are with him. This is a new heaven and a new earth. And because of that, something is said by someone who speaks very little in this book. In fact, he speaks once in the beginning and he speaks here at the end. It's God upon the throne himself. Let me read to you Revelation 21, two through three. 
Revelation 21, 2 through 3. I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. We're going to go into glory. We're also going to go into unity. Into unity. I already wrote it down for you. You don't have to do it. John notices something. He looks at this city and his attention is drawn. He says, there's no temple here. Like, where's the temple at? Anytime we hang out with God, God's always in the temple or there's a tabernacle or there's some structure that protects ourselves from the glory of God, but there's no temple here. Why isn't there a temple? He says, because the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. The, the temple, the tabernacle, was the contact point of heaven and earth. It was the shared, uh, the shared space in our, in our reality where God could be with us in our physical realm and God would overlap from his heavenly realm. It's the merge point. And if you look at how it was described in the Bible, it was always described in angelic throne room, heaven uh, decorations and descriptions. There is no temple no need for a temple. We are with him. It's, it's kind of like what, what Jesus said in John 14. He says, I go and I prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be with me too. I want to see him. I will see him face to face. I want to hear his voice. Because I have questions. Don't you have questions? Aren't there things that you want to ask him? Like some things, you just, since we're going to be together for a long time, I, just, I, have, I have a list. There's things I'd like to know about. God, how did you do that? That's awesome. That's incredible. I, yeah, you're, you're good, buddy. Yeah, preaching's not too good today, Pastor. Someone sent us flowers. I've been joking around this for a few weeks just because it was an eat experience. It was a bucket of dirt that I unpacked in this Christmas box. And they say, here, Pastor, here's a bucket of dirt. Merry Christmas. But from there, these amazing amaryllis flowers have grown up. And if you've ever seen them, these, these, these blooms are like this big. They're incredible. The size. There's right now, we count one, two, three, four. I think there's five blooms that's coming up on this plant. How does he do that? Because it just started out as this little bulb. It's like smaller than my fist and all of a sudden, like, God, how did you get all of that in there? And like, how did you do that? God, that's incredible. God, I have some questions about the Bible. He's like, well, Paul, I have some questions for you too about the Bible. Hey, God, hey, why did we get that part right? He's like, not even close. Not even, that wasn't I mean. that's not what I meant. Really? He's like, yeah, Paul, it means this. Oh, that's incredible, God, because I have questions. God, why lima beans? Because that, that's wrong. I mean, is, is, that, is that like one of those things just to remind us of the hardships of life and the grittiness that we have to endure? Because lima beans, that's wrong. And God's like, eh. God, why'd you make me like that? 
Why? Why did I have, why did you give me that? Why was that a part? God, why did, why did that happen? I, I don't understand. And I asked a lot. And I know you don't have to tell me. But I thought, since, since I can see you now, and I can hear you, I just I wanted to hear it from you. God, why that? How many of you have some questions? I have questions. Yeah. We will see him face to face. But not just unity with God, unity with all those who've held fast to Jesus. All those who have conquered by holding on to the one who conquers. The city, the great gates are opened and they do not shut. That's why I love a good Christian funeral. And I say a good Christian funeral because if you've been to one, you know what I'm talking about, right? We sing differently there and we pray differently there and we celebrate differently there. Not just the life that was, we call it a celebration of life, but the life that will be experienced again because there's not goodbye. It's just, I'll see you in a little bit. How many of you have people that you're going to see again? Yeah, the hope that we have, and that hope does not put us to shame. All that separates has been taken care of. This passage is full of hidden Eden language, Garden of Eden language, if you didn't notice. Uh, Revelation 22, the next chapter. Let me read the first four verses for you. See if you can cue in on some of the, the Eden stuff. If you've got that passage in the back of your imagination, a little bit of a filter. But this is Revelation 22, 1 through 4. See if anything sounds like Eden. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, Yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Just like Eden in the very beginning of the story, there's this river that runs through it. There's a tree of life and its fruit that's in the middle of everything. No longer is anything cursed. Precious jewels, sun and moon. We've come full circle. If you're going to end the book, that's this, this beautiful book-ended moment where we started in this, this precious garden, in this precious place in unity with God, and we, we fractured that, and we broke that, and we've separated ourselves. And God is now saying, I have brought it full circle. We've come back now, but it's better, and it's more. It's kind of like walking through a garden, though, a peaceful garden, a precious garden. We go into glory, we go into unity, we also go into peace. Peace. Write that down. Flesh that out. Circle it. Color it in. 
Give it an exclamation point. Peace means complete. It's the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible isn't how do you die and go to heaven. The story of the Bible, how is heaven going to make everything right again? Listen, this is the beginning of chapter 21. Just verses 4 and 6. Chapter 21, 4 and 6. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying. No pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And in Revelation 22, verse 2, it says that the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations, this is a place of restoration. Where once there was division, now there's, there's, there's unity and there's peace together. It's a place of refreshment. What type of home do you have? What type of house do you have? I don't know. House. What type of home is it? You understand the difference between a home and a house? What type of, how does your home affect people when they walk into it? Is it a place of peace? Is it a place of joy and celebration? Or does your home have a different feel about it? Does it destroy? I delivered newspapers for seven years when I was growing up. For seven years, I'd get up at five in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, I'd go downtown and I'd deliver papers for a couple hours. It was a two-mile loop. I had a chance to see lots of different types of houses. And I'd go collect each Friday from all these different types of houses. And there was an interesting thing. You could have the most elaborate, elegant, huge house. And it could have been the darkest and most cynical and most bitter of homes. Whereas you could go to the most humble of houses and it would overflow with joy and celebration. On the far end of my two-mile loop, and this is, we're talking wintertime in northwest Pennsylvania, okay? It's a little different. It's a little different than here. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying it's different. You, like, you need a license to go out in it, okay? So I'm, I'm wading three or four feet of snow, and I've got my bicycle, and I'm pushing through, and I've got 30 pounds of papes on my shoulder, and it's about 30 degrees below zero, Okay? And I've got masks and I'm hooded. I've got six gloves on and seven long johns. And I'm doing this because this is what you do. And where now? I'm a mile out and I've got a whole mile to come back. And the far end of the loop, that's where Grandma Kazmorski lived. Beautiful little Catholic grandmother. She's about three feet tall. Giant. The portrait of John Paul II on the wall was bigger than she was. And she had this, this rich, this rich European, Eastern European accent. Okay? And she'd meet me at the door because she was up at, you know, old people up at five o'clock, same time I was up. And she would meet me at the door. And she'd call me in. She sounded a little bit like Dr. Ruth. You guys remember Dr. Ruth? Yeah, I won't do it for you, the voice. But. And she would welcome me in and she would sit me down. And it would take me five or six minutes just to get the gear off. And she would have a hot cup of, co of hot chocolate for me so that I could warm up. Yeah, before I'd go back out into the cold again. I started to think that maybe there was something else in the hot cocoa because I would leave pretty warm. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but in the humblest of homes, filled full of love and care and peace. Before I would go out into the cold and the chaos of the dark world, warm me until I could get home again. This is a place of peace. This is a place where we come together, a place of healing, where death is done away with and all healing is done. Did you, maybe you saw this in the beginning part of the chapter. It says there's no more sea. How many of you like to go to the ocean? Yeah. Did you notice that? This is weird forward, just no more sea there. Like, seriously? I can't go to heaven and no beach. Why is there no beach? Why is there no sea? This is not heaven. This is wrong. I had to, he put me in Western Ohio and I get to go to heaven. It's just like Western Ohio with no beach. <laughs> what kind of heaven is this? What does that mean? No more sea. Well, you have to remember who he's writing to and how he's writing. He's not saying no more sea. Earlier in the book, what came forth from the sea? Chaos, the beast, death, destruction. These are people who lived on land, who when they looked out upon the sea, all they saw was turbulence and chaos. They didn't, we're not crossing out there. We don't go to Red Cross and learn how to swim. That's where death is. And that's where bad things come. And God says, all of those things, they're all gone. This is a place of peace. A voice from the throne hearing God speak himself. All things are made new. God says, it's done. It's done. That's the, that's, that's the phrase that you would use after a child is born. The baby's been born. The baby's here. It's happened. We've gone through the labor and we've gone through the pain and we've gone through the fear. And now look, we have new life with us. That's why in the book of Romans, it says that all creation groans. But God says, look, it's here now. That phrase, it is done, it kind of echoes of something that someone else said. What is it, Adam? What did he say? He says, it is finished. Jesus upon the throne says, it's finished. He has now initiated that which God will then bring to full fruition. As if Jesus says, I am the vaccine. And God says, I have now healed the world with you. Jesus says, I have composed the musical piece. And God says, I have presented it in all of its glory. Jesus says, I have entered the brokenness. And God says, I've finished fixing it. It's done. The whole story moving towards this moment. This is what history is about. This is what time is about. This is what the Bible is about. God recreating after we broke his creation. This is God, the life giver. This is what John, I really think, wants us to see, that we lose sight of. What does God do? He makes things new again. All things. What sin breaks, God fixes. Where death reigns, God comes in with new life again. So what do you say? We finish this up, shall we? It's been five months, you ready? Here we go. This is the last section. This is Revelation 22, 6 through 21. This is what John wants us to hold on to, okay? Revelation 22, 6 through 21. You guys have been very patient. We started in September. We did it. Revelation 22, 6 through 21. 
And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. He said to me, whoa, 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 no, 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 well, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I'm coming soon. I'm bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers, sexually immoral murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I'm the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Say it with me. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. How do we live in the light of this book? Well, I think we keep shining bright. We have a vision here within our fellowship that a house on the rock would become a city on a hill. That you build your house and 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 in fellowship and in unity that overflows to become a mighty city on a hill that lights up for a darkened nation who does not know where to look or what to do. John's apocalypse says, holiness matters. Care matters. Witness matters. Twice here, John got busted for worshiping the wrong thing. Did you see that? Twice he did it. An angel would share something and John would just fall down and start worshiping the angel. And he's like, hey, 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 no, 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 we don't, no. We don't do that here. Don't worship me. I'm a fellow worker with you. You Worship God. I think we need to check ourselves. What are we worshiping? What has our attention? What is getting our focus? What is consuming our days? 
What are we falling down to? Because the angel warns, you make sure that you worship God. He says, don't seal up these works, these words. The time is near. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have a right to the tree, so they can enter by the gates. Holiness matters. He says, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral. Does that mean there's going to be like these two places when we get to heaven for like good people and bad people? No, that's not what it's saying. So this is a place of holiness and light. Choose your side. Humanity was created to reflect the glory of God. Let's live that way. So let's keep shining bright. And the second thing, let's keep sharing hope. Five years into this journey, I think we're finally just starting to touch on what it means to be us. Each church has an ethic. It has a, a way about it. And I think five years in, we're starting to figure out us. This is who we are. This is what we do. Churches can do dinner like churches want to do dinner, like families want to do dinner. You have your way about it. This is how we do it. This is who we are. This is what we are. And we're all about sharing hope with as many people as we possibly can. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps these words. That word keep. He uses it in the beginning of the book and he uses it at the end. It's like a bookend. Blessed is the one who keeps it. Then he says, blessed is the one who keeps it. That means to guard it, to hold on to it. I have to confess, um, I never in my pastoral ministry possibly imagined that I would ever teach through the book of Revelation, didn't want to teach through the book of Revelation because it's jacked up and weird, right? I don't want to, I don't, but did you notice again and again, the blessing is keep it, hold it close to you, take it with you every single day. How many of you have things that you take with you every day? Like, you get up, yeah, it's, no matter what it is, like you take it with you. I got a pocket knife, I got my wallet, I got my watch, I got my glasses, I got my purse, I got my purse. this is my purse, right? Some of you make fun of me because of my purse. I don't care. But this is, yeah, this is, this is like, here's my journal, this is where I do, this is my pen, and inside are stuff that maybe in five years I'll let you know about. Just not yet. But in here, starting from July, when we started prepping for this series, is a copy of the Revelation. I went to the Bible bookstore and I picked this up and it's got early notes and sketches and drawings and outlines and thoughts. And because it says, blessed are you if you keep it. Blessed are you if you hold on to it, if you make it a part of your day. And so I wanted to start doing that, to keep it to read it, just to pull it out, whether I understood it or not, just to let the words get inside of me, to keep it. I know we're a little after Christmas, but in the end of the Christmas carol, after Scrooge got all scared and jacked up by all those ghosts, and he realized what the future could be and can be, and it was said, and Ebenezer Scrooge knew how to keep Christmas well. Keep these things. So let me challenge you this year. My challenge is that you read this book once a month. It takes about an hour and 20 minutes just to sit down and read it. Whether you understand all of it or not, but it's going to start to get in you and it's going to start to transform you and change you. And you're going to start living differently as these words and images and lights don't inform you about God, but involve you in God. That's why it, it ends. Come. The Spirit says, 
come. The bride says, come. The one who hears it says, come. To he who is thirsty, come and receive the water without price. There's hope in it, right? If you're embarrassed by the United States government right now, that's okay. This book has a better king, right? We're going to finish singing about that. If you're embarrassed by the health system right now, that's okay. This is a better healer. I like you, Mo. Let's go. If you're weary about the lies and the propaganda and the deceitfulness, that's okay, because this is actually true. If you're embarrassed by all the division in our country, this is real unity. The time is near and the king is coming. Five years ago, something was rekindled. Some of you were there. Packed into a small house in Pleasant Hill. There's Deb Trost jacking up the fire department show up and see us all in there. We'd all gotten in trouble. <laughs> and something happened and it's still happening. Like, like a match that gets lit and it shares it with another match and another twig and another piece of kindling all coming together. A holy bonfire is igniting in a world of darkness and fear and doubt that says, come here. Come to hope. Come to life. Come to love that is Jesus Christ. And each new person that comes, that fire grows a little bit more and that flame increases a little bit more and the light is a little bit brighter and we can reach a little bit farther. And we will not stop. We will not stop. We will make this place a little bit of heaven on earth. Join us. Let's do it together. Jesus said there are two ways to build your life. A wise man builds his life on God's instructions, like a house on a strong foundation. For more teaching from this ministry, go to whoishouseontherock.com. If you don't have a church, please consider being our guest on a Sunday morning. Again, visit whoishouseontherock.com for more information.